0: The Blast from Our Past Network.
1: Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past Podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. And I'm Adam. And today we're going to be doing another album review. Uh, this is an an album and a band that i was introduced to when this around the time that this album came out and somehow they got more popular and i liked them less <laughs> the farther yeah. it went on uh uh-huh. um we're talking the 1997 album three dollar bill y'all by limp biscuit yeah i would say the infamous limp biscuit now yes mm-hmm. um but they're they've uh they've kind of been back in the in the the limelight a little bit uh they started touring again and people are going to see them okay they're, they're drawing big crowds people are, are people paying real money for... to see limp
2: biscuit they 2022. are
1: 22 they are and loving it <laughs> i'm not and sure i agree on that last part <laughs> Um, so this, uh, was an album that I bought, uh, when there, when, as one of the singles on this, uh, on this album came out and we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, it made it big on MTV and then that's when I bought the album, you know, cause back in the day, if you wanted one song, nine times out of 10, you had to just buy the album.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then actually kind of falling in love with a lot. More of the other songs on the album than that one particular uh, okay. single, uh, which we'll talk about, and not all of the songs. I, I'm not going to equate this <laughs> to our last album review of Rocket from the Crypt, where like I thought the first half was great and the back half was
2: uh-huh.
1: not great. Uh, this one, the first half, I'm I'm more like some of the songs in the middle I don't like, and then a couple of ones at the end I was a little bit more favorable of. So it's a little bit of kind of an up and down roller sure. coaster for me with this album. Okay. Adam, have you had much experience with the I'm, – I'm sure you're aware of the band, clearly, and, and yeah. some of their singles, but had you had much experience with this album?
2: Um, I thought I did, but I definitely didn't. Um, some of the singles, for sure. I was actually much more attuned to their
1: second album, Significant Other. See, that's where they lost me. Uh, that's where that's where like I kind of was like, I don't like the sound. I liked the sound more of what they did here than I did with Significant Other, only because I feel like, because they got a lot of popularity with this one, their second album, was a little bit more produced. Sure. And I think at the time, I felt like they lost a little bit of the edge that I liked about this album yeah. in particular. I can, um,
2: I can see that. I mean, there's definitely a lot more um, of, like, that. some of the new metal influence. I think that early hard rock metal side of this one. And then they mm-hmm. do get a little bit, yeah, more produced, a little bit more, more poppy. Not really poppy, but you right. know, rap, rap rocky in the right. next ones.
1: Um, all right. So the album was released on July 1st, 1997. It was recorded at Indigo Ranch Studios in Malibu, Calif- Malibu California. Uh, the band itself is from Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, which, actually, they kind of mentioned a little bit. They, they um, do
2: say it at one point down in um, in one of the
1: later songs. They bring yep. it up. Um, and it was produced by a man named Ross Robinson, who has been dubbed, uh, whether he likes it or not, the godfather of new metal. Okay. Because uh, he was credited uh, with discovering quite a few bands, including bands like Glassjaw, the Blood Brothers, and Korn and Slipknot.
2: Yeah, okay. Well, then, yeah, fair. A couple huge ones.
1: Yep, and uh, I'm kind of looking at his uh, like his uh, production discography, and I mean just a slew mm-hmm. of of heavy bands from uh, Fear Factory, Deftones, oh, yeah, uh, Soulfly, Cold, yeah, was, um, like, yeah he good, he good d- he produced Vanilla Ice's heavy metal album that he did back in the late '90s. <laughs> I don't even remember that. Yeah, uh, Machine Head. That's a band I'm uh, uh-huh. I've heard of. And then I'm also seeing other ones like The Cure, he did The yeah. Cure album. That's cool. So he's done a, a bunch of stuff, mostly in the kind of hard rock to metal uh, genre. But he also did Tech Nine's uh, self titled album.
2: Yeah, I like Tech Nine. He's one of my favorite like uh, speed rappers, and so that's
1: very cool to me. Cool. Um. All right, Adam. Anything you want to hit us with uh, some fun facts? Sure. Um. So this album
2: was certified uh two times platinum. So it sold over two million copies. Um. It's probably their I don't know maybe probably their fourth or so f- highest selling album. Uh. Their highest selling was Significant Other, the one that I mentioned is is what I remember the best. That had Nookie mm-hmm. on it. That everyone right. would know. And, some and other-
1: probably my favorite Limp Bizkit song, which was actually Break Stuff. Break stuff. Yeah, that's a good one. I really like that song. I think that's on significant other, right?
2: Um, I believe so. I am I, double, triple checking right okay. now. I couldn't remember it,
1: if it was that one or whatever the stupid chocolate starfish. The chocolate starfish
2: one. one. Uh no, it is. It is. Yeah, right. It is on that one. It's on okay. significant other. Um uh yeah, chocolate starfish and hot dog flavored water. That's right. Uh, was the next one. And that sold six million copies. And uh Roland is what that one was kind of mostly known for oh that's right um some other songs as well my generation and my way as well all on that one and that hell yeah six times platinum um so yeah Korn uh, and Olympus always had like this kind of nice connection um because Fieldy from Korn really helped persuade Ross Robinson to produce this album because he basically gave that he's like hey man you got to check these guys out I think you will like them and so um so Fieldy really pushed Limp Biscuit, you know, to help to work with Robinson. And so that, that kind of was a, a whole big thing. Um, I will say, kind of how you put it, like a, after Limp Biscuit, I would say after Chocolate Starfish, Limp Biscuit's career went off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, I, I don't even really remember what their next album was after that. Um, I don't even know what kind of singles it had, but it felt like it was kind of went to nowhere. Um, and they became, honestly, I feel like they became, uh, you know, Nickelback before Nickelback where people just were like started making fun of Limp Bizkit and it was just like right. a, I mean by that time though new metal was dead <laughs> you yeah. know and and people like emo and other stuff and, and alternative other rock had kind of come back in um and, and and they were done with new metal as like a super popular thing and so yeah they got pretty shit on pretty quickly I remember and I think mostly Fred Durst took a lot of it right probably you know I'm not to say it wasn't unwarranted though. I mean, he just—he comes across douchey, doesn't he? <laughs> I can't stand the guy. I don't he know what it is, man. He
1: definitely did at the, At, at the that, time. At I time. don't know maybe, how he is now. Maybe he's humbled out a bit, but at that time, I was just like,
2: man, I fucking hate you. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> I um, do remember uh, I worked, uh, I've said many times, I worked at a basically a store that sold records. And I do remember at the time I was working there, uh, the guitarist, who we'll talk about in a second, uh, Wes mm-hmm. Borland, uh, put out a solo album. And I remember hearing, like, buzz, buzz that he was creating and not buzz about whether it was any good, and uh-huh. then it ended up selling, like, nothing. Yeah. Like, nobody bought it.
2: Mm. <laughs> so.
1: And I just remember, like, like I was embarrassed at the time. Like, it was just a weird, like, I'm embarrassed for you. And I have no idea. I don't know you.
2: Um, but that's pretty much all the the extra stuff I've got. I mean, Olympics get always utilized shock value as mm-hmm. their as part of their gimmick. Um, And so they have like a abrasive, angry sound, but also like, you know, chocolate starfish, you know, and and hot dog flavored water, weird names that have some weird innuendos to them and things like that. And even speaking of that, I feel like we got to discuss the name Limp Biscuit. Right. It's it's a gross shock value thing just in the name itself, um, where they get the name from apparently... It's a. Uh, you can probably all look this up on Urban Dictionary to make sure that I'm correct on this, but I, what I believe it is basically gross boys <laughs> in a circle, and you know you do stupid things. Now, I've never did anything like this. I can tell you, um, but they, it's either on like a cracker or a biscuit. Uh, oh shit! Uh, you it's the yeah. It's basically guys. The you all jerk off onto a cracker um, or something, a cookie or something. And whoever is the last one has to eat it.
1: I See, I'd never heard that. I'd heard a different name for that. I can't remember what it is. I just assumed a limp biscuit was just a slang for a limp dick.
2: Ah, okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm going on Urban Dictionary right now to confirm. Okay. But I, I'm pretty certain it was that game. Okay. Um, Biscuit. It was a you know, a game. Can you even
1: use the word? Baby? I've heard. I've heard of that, but yeah. I've heard it by a different name. Yes.
2: Okay. I'm, I'm sure there is similar stuff. Um, so yes, yeah, several guys stand in a circle around a biscuit, um, possibly a wheat digestive. Is what it says <laughs> <on> the re- <laughs> <laughs> they all begin to jerk off ejaculating onto the biscuit. The last person to come consequently has to eat the soggy biscuit. So that yeah it's, so- it- <laughs> that
1: sounds some like like frat boy shit. It's
2: exactly what that is. It's gross frat boy shit. And yeah, the last person to, to get out has to, and so that's the, um, Ooh. gross. So that's, but again, shock value is part right. of this band. Yeah, for sure. Part
1: of their brand. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, I forgot to mention the personnel, uh, lead vocals was Fred Durst, Wes Borland was Guitars, DJ Lethal was, uh, on the turntables and such. He's also better known as being the DJ for the band House of Pain.
2: Oh, okay. Um, around.
1: Yes, which is, I always found interesting because um, DJ Lethal became famous for being with Limp Biscuit. Um, uh, Everlast uh, became oh. famous for doing his solo career. He was the singer for House of Pain. And then I have no idea what happened to the third guy. Okay. He never wow. he never resurfaced. But I do remember these two or those two when mm-hmm. he resurfaced. Uh, John Otto is on drums and Sam Rivers is on bass. Okay. And then who I'm assuming is West Borland's brother, Scott Borland, uh, did mm-hmm. keyboards on some tracks but was not a regular member of the band. So uh, this will be interesting. Adam, are you ready to kind of dive into the music? If we have to. Uh, we have to. That is the whole <laughs> part of this. Okay. Now, the album starts out with an intro, and I'm not going to play the intro. Sure. It's just a fun kind of little thing where he's like a preacher. Yeah, it's like a parody on like a tent revival or something like that. Yeah. And he ends up screaming the title of what will be the second track or the first song, uh, which is called Pollution. So one thing I do remember about like when I'm starting to when I started to hear these songs, is I felt really at the time I really hadn't heard anything that quite sounded like this. Like it was it had elements of like Rage Against the Machine, mm-hmm. but it was, and it's kind of hard to say this without sounding uh, ho- like I'm being mean. It sounded more hillbilly. Okay. So like a little bit more like because the thing about the thing about uh, Rage Against the Machine is it is smart political dissidence Yes. that's going on in that band. This didn't feel like this. This felt a little bit more like anger and a party almost kind of rolled into one. Yeah, um, okay. And so I I'd see that. You know, like Frat Boys decided to start a new metal band.
2: But like not from like like a rich frat like they're from no. like a like a um you know you know how those people in uh, uh mobile home areas you know
1: they just start their own frats I think that's kind of what it came to or okay. you know I don't know um but uh because of that and and kind of I think partly because this was the first real song on the album and I was kind of not I had not heard anything kind of like this this song always stuck with me um just kind of the the energy it's high energy through a lot of it. Um the I I don't want to say this for a lot of the songs, I didn't like the ending or the ending was a little weird cuz it goes off into this yelling thing and a lot of the songs have a weird ending that is doesn't feel like it's related to the song at all. Mm-hmm. Like it's just added on there and they do that a lot which yeah. kind of bothers me cuz it it feels like it's just padding the padding the song to be a lot mm-hmm. longer than it needs to be. But overall, I actually like pollution yeah uh
2: so according to fred durst this song is about people who say the band's music is nothing but noise pollution uh there's really nothing heavy in there no big time message but basically that's their them you know putting on that um in response to that it had been a long time since i've listened to limp biscuit um i'm at least a decade at least Mm -hmm. um and so listening to this one I was a bit surprised and a bit disturbed that I actually kind of liked Pollution. I I listened to this (laughs) one and I was like, you know what? Because in my head I remember them sucking ass. Um, But this one I was like, oh, okay, I kind of like this. So yeah. So I mean, yeah, it was an interesting style that, Mm -hmm. you know, isn't exactly like some of the other like new metal um, or rap rock kind of stuff that I do appreciate. It it had its own little blend. Um, And so Pollution, I thought was a pretty solid start to the album.
1: Yeah, I agree. The one thing, and I kind of mentioned this before, I'm just going to kind of reverse how I said it. One thing I I do really like about this album is it has a very raw sound. Mm -hmm. Um, Some things sound a little produced um, or, you know, uh, but kind of because they need to because of what they're doing. But in the end, it still feels like a raw in the studio or on the stage type sound where I can – excuse me, I can visualize the band performing. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't feel like, oh, there's a bunch of studio magic that they'll never do this live. Or I mean, back in the day, it was a lot easier to say they'll never do this live. Nowadays, with with the way technology is, is it's not hard to play anything live. Mm -hmm. You play anything live. Um, And so I I think it really does set a good tone for what the rest of the album is going to sound like.
2: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Okay, let's move on to the next song, which I believe was the first single that they released off of the album called Counterfeit. I think probably when I was younger, I would have stated that this was my favorite song on the album. Mm-hmm. I might I might still say that actually.
2: Um yeah, it didn't chart. Uh it was their debut single. This is their mm-hmm. first ever single. It didn't end up charting anywhere. But I, you know what? I, I'm not sure. I think I liked Pollution better. Okay. Um but I did I, I I didn't dislike it. I thought the song was pretty solid. It you know, again, similar style um good representation of what this album is going to be like and what this album is um you know i yeah i found it being like okay um apparently there was some controversy uh because interscope records paid a portland radio station to play the song 50 times as a paid advertising so basically they bought like radio time right and then just played this song over and over again <laughs> which sparked payola accusations and criticism from the band and label but it ended up Working, I think it actually got you know some some uh, publicity from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched the music video. It's weird. I don't <laughs> recommend the music video. It was basically this kid who is either criticized or bullied or something. And then he puts on tar and becomes like this weird fly costume thing. It's just fucking weird. It didn't make any <laughs> sense to me. Um, but apparently, this song originated from the band's frustrations at the fact that other bands were copying their style. Um, which I find interesting for being their debut album. Now I'm sure they've been around for long enough, right. so hence the counterfeit, you know, fake yelling, fake. Um, you know, it, it keeps the angry vibes. I'm not like I'm not loving this one. I'm kind of surprised knowing that it was a single, and I, I didn't recognize it actually. I didn't recognize it at all. Um, but again, I didn't really listen to this album. I knew them uh, from Significant and other other and on. So uh, this one was okay. i will give someone a, a pretty solid okay.
1: Okay. Uh, All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to the next song, which is called Stuck. I still like this song, but not as much as Counterfeit or Pollution. I I feel like here we're getting a little bit more of the sort of rap style from okay. Fred Durst as opposed to kind of rap rock style. At least in his vocals, like his vocal presentation. Mm-hmm. This feels a little bit more rap ish, sure. I guess. Okay. Um so like I remember when I would listen like I would cut co- these first three songs. Uh, were ones that I constantly listen to over and over and over again, um, but I do remember stuck kind of being like my least favorite of the three. Yeah, and then from here I would often jump around.
2: Yeah. hey, you know, like House of Pain? <laughs> hey,
1: yeah, hey, DJ Lethal got to there you. Um,
2: go. yeah, this one, this one wasn't doing for doing much for me. Um, it was okay, it, you know, but less okay than the previous two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it felt like over, you know. I feel like I got the gist of the band in these first three songs. I'm not going to like, after these songs, I was like, okay, I get you. I get your style. I don't know if I need to go any further um, because it's, it's been explained to me that there was enough similarities uh, in, in exactly how he did his rap. And then they have massive distortion. Like there were times, you know, in this song, and actually in the other two, where it's just like, it's such heavy distortion. I can hardly understand any musicality or any lyrics like it's just like it's just gargle and i think this song you know started off with some of that rap stuff but then it just got to the gargle and i'm just like okay i'm done with this
1: yeah and the one thing i i started to notice especially with these first three songs is there a lot of a lot of their songs especially on this album have like the same formula to the whole song a little bit of an intro and 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 i and i know forms are are standardized sort of for a reason but like they would do like the same thing each time and then when they went to the bridge each time it's like they would let it die down they would let the bass take a lick Uh (laughs) then they would build it back up and it was like every time the bridge came i'm like all right here comes the bass lick Here goes, and it would happen it was similar each time now that doesn't necessarily make them bad songs or the the fact that they're all the same doesn't necessarily make it a bad album but because i mean the song's don't necessarily sound the same from a musical like if i really broke down what they're doing it wouldn't be the same but after a while you're like okay now you're predictable Mm -hmm. and it makes it less interesting i wouldn't say it makes it bad but it makes it less interesting when you know exactly what's gonna
2: happen and i think that is a a perfect way to put it um not to say some of the stuff is is inherently bad but when you're only three songs in and you're noticing the predictability to me that, you know, that's causing some issues in the enjoyment of the entire album.
1: Yes, but I will say this. I can kind of excuse it because it's their first album. Okay. I, I, In a lot of cases, I feel like bands need to have a pass for their first album because even if they'd been together for a long time, a first studio album is how they're first presenting themselves to, you know, kind of mm-hmm. to the wider world and they're still figuring things out. Sure. And you can you can clearly hear the difference in like the sound and the production from this to Significant Other where they've had more time in the world to be exposed to other people and bring other people in and you know grow themselves as musicians as it were. And so I I always kind of have to give that one a a pass especially cuz it's the first album. Cuz they're still writing decent songs. They're just like mm-hmm. we found a formula that works, we're going to stick with it. Okay. okay. I, I get that. Sure. All right. Let's move on to the next one called Nobody Loves Me. nobody loves this song.
2: (laughs) It's not. It wasn't doing shit for me.
1: No. I, I, you know, the whole, like the whole, it starts out with this, you know, Durst yelling shut up, which is kind of jarring and a good way to get your attention. You're like, oh, Uh okay. I kind of like the little beginning, the da na da da na da. -da." It's cool lick. Then when everything else jumped in, there wasn't enough, like it, it just kind of became noise. It was was a lot of loud stuff. The guitars in the in the chorus, like you kind of mentioned, got too loud. It was too loud and too busy to the point where, like, everything was getting buried. And it was hard to discern anything from, like, a groove or, like, any riffs that were really going on. And Durst is just screaming, which is fine. There's a, you know, the screaming vocals work for some songs. But in this one, and I, I'm really chalking this up, I think, more to the mix yeah, than I really am than okay. the actual composition itself because I really feel like uh, I, I don't want to say a better mixer because I'm sure the guys who did it are m- way much more talented than I am. Um, but it just felt like it was, you know. And who knows? Maybe like maybe Durst was in the in the thing and we're like, no man, you got to turn them up. It's got to be louder. Well, louder yeah. doesn't necessarily mean better.
2: And and also you know, to to some extent, you know, when these albums came out, you know, they were in a world where. You have a stereo system at home. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, we play stuff off compressed laptop, you know, speakers off of phone speakers, which are super compressed. Right, and you don't get, you're missing a lot of um, some of the different frequencies because of that. And so, I think it hurts some of these songs for sure, um, mm-hmm. particularly on the low end. Um, and, and yeah, you just, it just it sounds crunched and it doesn't sound enjoyable. Um, I do, th- or also they might have mixed it so terribly because. Fred Durst is not a good singer. He's fucking awful. Um, and I know he was like, you know, some of the scream stuff, he's actually a pretty good screamer. I'm right. going to give him props on screaming. But when he's like, you know, the nobody loves me. Sure. Nobody cares. He sounds awful. Like it's, it's, it's like a whiny song, sing song that he does. And I will talk about that in an upcoming song where he tries to like do some singing and I almost puked. It was so I, bad.
1: I wonder if he does it on purpose. Because it sounds what, on purpose.
2: It kind, you know what? It probably it would totally fit with their style to, you know, him to not actually try to sing sing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it this song didn't do shit for me. Apparently, there or there is a breakdown um, at one at one point. And it was apparently inspired by the band Tool. I didn't really notice that when I was listening. I did listen to just a clip of that section. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can tell he is, Fredriss is trying to imitate the style of Maynard Jackson. Or sorry, not Jay, Maynard Jackson. Uh, Maynard <laughs> Keenan. Yeah. Maynard Jackson was at an Atlanta uh, uh, like mayor or something right. a long time ago. Um, Maynard Keenan. It's because Maynard
1: um, James Keenan is what he goes by. I think that's where you're yeah. conflating the, yes. the Jackson with this, the J <laughs> yeah. name.
2: Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But... And I, I didn't really notice it when I was listening. It was once I saw it on Wikipedia. I was like, oh, okay, that's somewhat interesting. Uh, and he said apparently this song comes from um, his from his mother, kind of, where she had the saying. It was not she. Everybody had the saying. Uh, and it had a cross-stitch on the wall that said, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll go eat worms. Oh, yeah. Um, which, you know, yes, from what I remember, nobody likes me, everyone hates me, guess I'll go eat worms. But he, she had a cross-ditch on the house. And how he took it, this is what he said, he said, here's how I look at it, since nobody loves me, I don't owe you a thing. Um, and I want to be like, yeah, you didn't really understand the meaning of that. <laughs> like, that's not at all what the meaning is. Uh, nobody likes me, I guess I'll go eat worms. It's kind of just like, you know, oh, uh, you know, I don't care, I'll just go, I'll go do my own thing. That's yeah. um, not...
1: I don't more know it's more self-pity than anything Yeah, else. exactly. He's just an angry motherfucker. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the next one called Sour.
0: But at first you were so sweet. Couldn't go without seeing your face for an hour. So sour, it all became a hassle. You were even living in my castle. and Just to use me and verbally abuse me. That's not the way I'm running my shop. It took a while to see the light before I stopped. you.
1: So what I do appreciate is we finally get a song that doesn't sound like the previous four. Sure. Uh, We're getting um, what is either a relatively clean guitar or that actually could even be a bass. It might be a bass, that lick, that whatever that is at the beginning. Um, uh, Apparently, he likes just yelling shit at the beginning of the song because he yells one here. (laughs) Yes. But I appreciate that the song itself actually kind of mellows out. Mm-hmm. Um, with its sound, it, when it gets heavy, it doesn't feel like they're going like crazy heavy. Um, it's starting to feel more like what we will see in Significant Other a little bit in the chorus here, um, and they didn't bother us with a bunch of en- empty nonsense at the end. It's just the three minute thirty song, so it's an okay one. I am going to give this one an okay.
2: I'll allow on the okay on this one, um, but uh, there had been some damage, and so by this time I've already <laughs> soured <laughs> on my biscuit. Again, I'd say it came back to be realization of okay, this is a this is a small dose band for me. This is a you grab one song maybe once a year, and that's about all I need <laughs> from my Limp biscuit at max. Um, apparently, Fred Durst's problems with his girlfriends inspired him to write the song, so that's what it's about. Uh, but overall. Uh, this one was yeah it's an it's an okay to me um but it, it just I, I appreciate that it wasn't just noise right it, it was there was something else there so yeah but overall it still wasn't gripping
1: well let's uh let's move on and see if uh, Adam's feeling with this album have gone stale <laughs> with uh. the next song called stalemate
0: Your with poison. please acknowledge my present.
1: much good to say no i mean like because i like the bass rift at the beginning but it sounds a lot like the one from the song before Mm -hmm. like they kind of just recycled something i i like that we kind of did kind of excuse me i i like that we kind of again i'm starting to see more of the sounds of what we're going to see more on significant other kind of with this one I mean, I just like to change, even though I kind of am like, I'm preferring that raw sound, but the the raw stuff that I'm getting in this middle, like I said before, the middle of this album is really where I was like, uh, yeah. not liking this stuff. Yeah.
2: it It's, um, I felt like, yeah, there was some variety compared to some of, the, some of the other songs. You're right. Similar enough to sour, um, where you might get some other stuff. And I, I didn't hate this one. I didn't mm-hmm. hate it. I'm definitely not loving it either, but it it does kind of just fall right in the middle. You know, it does fall right in that, that, you know, stalemate kind of thing. a perfectly named song.
1: (laughs) So, uh, all right, well, let's move on to the next one called
0: clunk. Hey, mister, that. Up because that mental is faded. Ego, you overplayed it You bust up, you yeah. just can't be trusted The drama, your mama must have really been it But you got no clue Always screaming everybody else You well, kid, I never did you know It's to too far It's got too far
1: So here I feel like we're kind of finally returning to that kind of raw sound that we got from the first three songs. I actually really like clunk. Um, I like the kind of heavy distorted bass lick at the beginning. I like the isolated hits that we get through here. I I like how we have kind of what feels like a tempo change where um, the drums, I don't know if they necessarily speed up but they definitely feel like they're getting more involved. The the DJ comes in with the scratches. I don't know maybe it's because I was already really in tuned to the uh those those first three songs and this feels like a return to that that I've always really liked this I do and I'm starting to and I think this is me now being older and having a more discerning ear I do wish on a lot of these things the guitar had been turned down a little bit yeah including in this one um to bring out some of the vocals and and stuff because I feel like it's just it was too much but for me I actually really like clunk
2: um this was a return to noise to me where it just cacophonous <laughs> shit. Uh, and I'm not going to lie. I was listening to it and I my focus went elsewhere. I started working on my fantasy football team and I and by the time I was done, I had realized, oh, I didn't really pay attention to that one. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to go back and listen. I'm I'm not, not going to re subject myself to listening to that shit again. And so I just moved
1: on to the next one. I it,
2: I didn't give a fuck about clunk.
1: OK, fair enough. <laughs> All right, well, let's move uh, to the next song, which is honestly, I think, the one that actually put them on the map. Yes, and made them, uh You know, put them into the uh, the awareness of the general public, um, and that is their cover of the George Michael song, Faith. Oh, but I but some
0: you. time off from that emotion. Showing you that door, got Got Got
1: So one thing I, I I kind of find interesting about this song is it feels like they knew this was gonna be like the big hit yeah. off the album, uh, because it feels like it's mixed a little better
2: Mm, mm -hmm. um
1: it's still really loud in the chorus but i mean he's just screaming faith essentially right there so there's not too much going on in the vocal and like everything else like when the when the Heavy guitar, first of all, it's a, it's against their style a little bit because when it first comes in, yeah. or I should say, when they go to the second verse and the guitars just kind of come in with the the chunky, okay. hmm. it feels like it's mixed better, like they're not too loud, he's singing over it. Clearly because this is a song that is not originally in their style and they're kind of trying to make it their own. It, so it, it, it just feels like it's mixed a little bit different. I do... Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I I loved the part when he gets to the part where he yells "Get the fuck up!" and then they just go into a heavy thing, which you can't. It, it, the guitars are mm-hmm. so low and distorted, you can't tell what the fuck they're doing. But that's not the focus, because the focus is the scratching that's on top of it anyway. Mm-hmm. So they're at least they're giving you something to specifically listen to under that stuff. If you're you know if you're a big George Michael fan, you definitely didn't like this <laughs> cover at all. No. <laughs> certainly and not. the funny thing is is I it it feels like it's their attempt at kind of making fun of George Michael who to be fair at the time was kind of like ne- looked on almost not negative I think he'd had his incident in the bathroom yeah. at uh-huh. that point but I mean like I go back and I listen to George Michael and that guy was like a musical I, I'm not gonna say genius but he was an incredible singer and wrote some really really good songs I have a lot more respect for him now than I probably ever did in the '90s, um, sure. but I was a fucking teenager who listened to Limp Bizkit, so yeah.
2: <laughs> so, um, yeah. So for this song, it got my ears perked up because it was one that I knew is the. This was definitely the biggest hit on mm-hmm. the album, um, and I can honestly, when they go from you know that beginning part, which <sighs> Fred Durst can't sing. And this is the song where it really—you're right—it was mixed better to where he starts off, you know, because you can hear the. got to guess it will be nice, you know. And it's just—it's terrible if I could touch your body. Whatever, I'm not a terrible impression, but his singing is about that. It's, it's on the level of a chihuahua that had its balls stomped on, in my opinion. It's, <laughs> that's 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 the kind of level it hits my ear. Fucking hated it, but the redeeming quality is, where I can envision when he gets out of that. And then they go into the chorus and actually kind of make the song more their own. Right. The screaming, you gotta have faith. I can see the fucking mosh pit going on that. Yeah. You, can, you get the calm and then like he hits it hard with gotta have first. And the pit is just going nuts. Yeah. And I like that. That's actually my favorite part is when they're just bringing some of that noise to counteract. And really like, okay, that is... Why people came to Limp Biscuits' version of faith, right? And, not any of the other stuff,
1: and that's where it works: is you're you're yes. counterbalancing the sort of cheesy cover like thing yeah. version of the song to the part where you make it your own uh, for for the audience who's going to be there. You know, if you yeah. if you go too cheesy, if you try to make it cheesy all the way through, you're going to lose your audience mm-hmm. who who are there to mosh. They're there to yeah. get physical. You got to add that element in. They were smart. I'm going to say they were smart to add this in. Um and you know what? That was one of the greatest ideas they think they ever had. I I honestly think if that's if this song is not on this album, Limp Biscuit doesn't last much longer than this album. Uh yeah, yeah, I think
2: you are probably right. Um I hit number 28 on the alternative rock chart, came if I mentioned that. Um but yeah, I mean I- I do I love the whole song no do I really even like most of it no but that little <laughs> portion that's theirs right. I think fits yeah. you know
1: <laughs> um and uh depending on which version you're listening to this on there is actually a hidden track in this track um that is uh, it keeps going i it says that some digital versions don't have this um it's a separate song and I remember when I was listening to this um because the version I have downloaded is. St- was actually taken from the physical cd okay and it starts at about two minutes 27 seconds at at, uh, for the whole song and it's it's another song called stereotype me and it's just another loud mess uh there was yeah, mine sorry no it's okay um i don't even think i'm gonna play it
2: um. Uh, yeah. My my version didn't have it, so I I didn't I didn't get stereotyped.
1: And at all. I completely forgot that my version did have it. And honestly, I I think I'm gonna download a version that doesn't have it. <laughs> okay. Because it was completely unnecessary. First of all, why? At first, when I first looked at this album, I was like, oh, the last song is over 16 minutes long. There's definitely a hidden track in this. Yeah. No, the hidden track was on track nine. Of I all know things. it's weird.
2: <laughs> That last song threw me through a loop, man. I'm not going to
1: lie. Yeah. Well, I got I got things to say about that track. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to uh, song number 10, the next one, which feels like, since you talked about like, Tool being an influence, maybe they were trying to r- make a song that was similar to Stink Fist, which is honestly yeah. one of my favorite songs off song. of uh, the Anima soundtrack. Actually, I just because we did the episode of Throwback Trivia Takedown, I finally- Started introducing Tool to my son.
2: Nice. I hope he digs it.
1: Um, I'm not sure, uh, but he has been getting into heavier stuff. And the weird thing is, with him, it's all through Weird Al. Oh. Because oh, of Weird he Al, he started listening to Nevermind. Oh. Because of Weird Al, he started listening to Green Day. Because hmm. uh, because it, it, he loved Canadian idiots, so he started listening to hmm. the American Idiot soundtrack. And I and and I introduced him to Dookie. Um, in fact, the other day I picked him up uh, at the bus stop and I was playing something and he goes, oh, I listened to that album on the way home. So he's been listening to some of the heavier stuff. So I was like, okay, let's try Tool. It might be a little bit too intellectual for him yet. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, but at least I can like, you know, sow the seeds, put it in there and see, you know, see if he likes it and he may not like it now. Maybe he'll like it later. Well, I'm just happy that he's expanding his musical horizons and whatnot. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I think it's great. All right. Well, let's go to the song which is called Stink Finger. Okay, so when the song started, I was kind of into it, I, it and what's weird is, as I'm listening to it, and I'm like, this kind of sounds like a a weird, I'm going to use the term again, hillbilly version of, like, Our Lady Peace. Like, I can okay. hear some similarities in there, and then the guitars came in, and it was too fucking loud. It was again. way too loud. Way too loud. I
2: actually, I, I kind of got almost like a weird Red Hot Chili Pepper vibe on this I can,
1: one. I can totally see that as well. yeah. But yes,
2: this song ended up losing me again. Um, And it was, yes, it was a lot of the muddling. It was a lot of the just like, okay, I can't discern any musicality. I can't discern anything going on. I'm just, I'm I'm going
1: to turn my brain off. If I can't turn the song off, I'm turning my brain off at this point. And I wonder if, and I'm just throwing out an idea that came to me right now. I'm wondering if, like, I'm sure their shows are loud. A lot of some... Mm people who go to see heavy metal bands it's the the volume is part of the reason why they go to see them you know just distro- yeah. loud distortion and i'm sure that shows were just crazy i wonder if they were trying to recreate that in album form and to, to me i feel like that's a bad idea um because first of all everyone's sound system is not the same mm-hmm. and you know how, how how we listened. you know back then most of the albums I had if I got a chance to play them in our stereo system, I did, but that is normally when either mom was not home or nobody else was home. Other <laughs> yeah. than that, they were going through my headphones. You know, on my on my my discman or whatever. because um, I couldn't listen to them in the house, you know. Mom was not gonna tolerate limp biscuit, you know, <laughs> no. at, for at dinner time or while we were cleaning or whatever it was. So I just, I just feel like they were trying to make that experience on the album, and I don't think that worked. And I think that does them a complete disservice because there are are several songs on this album that I still kind of go back and and listen to, and I, I feel like are hurt by that. Mm-hmm. And I don't. Yep. I, it's hard to know who to blame because it could be the band, it could be the producer who decided who, that's how we wanted the sound, it could be the mixer. Um, so. You know, it could be any number, it could be the record company, and they're like, Well, we like it, but it needs to be louder. So it's you know, it's hard to know how how that went out, but I feel like it could have been handled better. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, let's go to the next one, which is called Indigo Flow. Separating the
0: true breeds, my friends and my family. Had the vision when the bounds, now it's blowing up. Props to the field dog with the vote through the campaign. Gold records and champagne. Everlast for the tour on St. Patty's Chino. Man, we had a blast with your tones. Rock mad microphones daily. Props to the maestro. Ross, you're an angel. Hey, DJ, wanna play that song lethal? Love you like a brother. Wanna take a trip to the flip side, Jordan? Nothing more than I could say. Simply walking head in hand with the prophet. Danny, you took us to the fat man, Harry, Tyler. Props for the golden introduction. We're coming from the town of the unknown. Jacksonville's on the map. Look us up. Raising I will
1: say, when child this child one child came kids. on, it was a welcome change. <laughs> <laughs> this sure. one does seem like it could have been on the significant other one because I I feel like Mm. more songs sounded like that on that one or maybe even Forest Chocolate and Starfish because this was a completely different sound um, a lot calmer on the guitars Um, it's a short song it's only two and a half minutes long I I wouldn't say like anything in the song grabbed me but I think I had been assaulted by the level of the garb so much that I was like oh I could listen to this one for a while because I was like, it was it was a break. It was, yeah, a, break. It was a break. It was easy to hear what he was saying. Um, he wasn't using his high kind of whiny voice. He was a little bit more middle tone, and it was an easier listen.
2: Definitely an easier listen. I mean, it 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 was basically it was a flow. The whole song was just like him kind of doing his rap thing, mm-hmm. um, and you're not getting much of like the the big scream rock side of it. Um, apparently the song was named after where this album was recorded, Indigo Ranch Studio. I think you said that. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's basically Limp Bizkit's gratitude towards those who helped the band and get a record deal and play music professionally and things like that. Literally, you go through the lyrics and he's just, it is him thanking people. Like it is him giving shout outs. Um, you're hearing that stuff, which is different, but it didn't make for a gripping song. Right, like I'm, I'm listening to what it's saying, and, and it's just like it's not compelling. It's just not interesting. Uh, there was one point he says, "And God, I love you." Like he, he just says one scream with the "I yeah, love you" for God. I did remember
1: that, and it but fill a lot of place.
2: It is, it is different, but ultimately because when I was like really listening to it, I was just like, oh, he's just mentioning all these people. I don't give. He talks about corn. He's like corn, and you know, and corn. I love those guys, and yada yada yada, and this and that. And it's just like. Okay, that's kind of weird. Right. <laughs> you, you you really just put on, you know, you wasted an entire track just to thank people. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, if you did it in a better way, I, I think I would have liked it. But it's just, I didn't care for the flow on this one, honestly. I, I didn't care for the sound, even though it was, I agree, a welcome change to just kind of, all right, my ears are not going to be assaulted mm-hmm. at this
1: time. So, uh, All right. Well, we're almost, uh, almost to the end here. So let's go to the next one called Leech. Okay, so we we definitely we're going back to that kind of original sound that we're getting. Yeah. But at this point, I've already heard it like yeah. half a dozen to a dozen times. The like the opening guitar lick was kind of cool, but I I personally didn't like the tone that they that they were giving me for the guitar. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I just kind of I was at the point with this one where I was like, "Let's just get through this."
2: Yeah. I wrote the same thing where I uh the the guitar there were moments I kind of liked. Mm-hmm. Um but the rest I didn't give a fuck about, and I also wrote that I'm just I'm, at this point I'm actively fucking sick of Fred Durst, and I, I know it's it's funny I don't put a lot of the blame on the rest of the band, and maybe I should, <laughs> but he gets all my hate at this point, <laughs> and I don't know what it is, man. I just want to fucking punch him, and and rip his heart out because I just I can't I can't stand him at this point. Yeah. So.
1: Uh. All right. Well, we're finally on the last song, which is a, a very interesting track called Everything. The track is like 16 minutes
2: long. I about shat myself when I saw the runtime being like, at first being like, okay, all right, fuck, 16 minutes. But then I was like, you know what? No, this is the 90s. This is going to be a hidden
1: track thing. Right. Like four of those minutes are just dead air. Eggs, and when it wasn't, John, I <laughs> was just a ball of rage when, it, when I
2: realized listening to this song, knowing that I was going to have to go through all 16 minutes,
1: I was red in the face. It's, like, 16 minutes of, like, mostly instrumental. Yeah. And I I will say I didn't mind a lot of it, but I wasn't paying attention to a lot of it. It was, like, this is kind of a – part of it was, like, okay, I could see some of this as, like, an interesting, like, just track to throw in a, in the background. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's some parts where he's definitely singing something, but you can't understand what it is. and Yeah. And then there's some weird parts where they get heavier for whatever reason. Like, it feels like it was just 16 minutes of a jam that they put together.
2: That's what I put. Uh, that's exactly what I wrote, and, Like an ethereal jam style. Yeah,
1: and then, like, did some, like, weird overdubs just to kind of add to it. It's weird to say because, like, I didn't hate it. I didn't like it. It just existed in the background as I was yeah f- focusing on something else. When I realized that the song was just an instrumental jam... I lost focus on it and just started doing something else. I was like, all right, I'll just f- finish out the song while I'm doing this thing, and nothing else like jarred me back in. There was nothing yeah. else where no. I was like, oh, I got to listen to it again. I was like, no, it's just it's background noise.
2: And it, that's really kind of what it ended up being. There was there was no verse, verse or chorus to kind of like get you back into it. It was just like, a, I don't know where this is going. Right. Um, and I applaud it being different, but it felt so different that it felt... Um, that it that it, it didn't have a place on this album to me, it it just felt like it was wrongly added, uh-huh. and so and also it was unnecessarily long, <laughs> unnecessarily repetitive at times too because right. I just I could zone out and I just couldn't, none of it seemed to separate itself from even within the song so it ultimately became a just worthless track
1: the uh the opinion. total runtime of the album is like 61 minutes a little over yeah. 61 and i wonder if like this wasn't added just to get them over the hour mark <laughs> maybe like it's gotta be an hour maybe. man well we gotta add something uh, yeah. to it all right everyone get your shit we're just gonna start jamming yeah
2: it's a disappointment um
1: all right so let's go into our final thoughts adam i'll, I'll let you uh, grace us with your final thoughts
2: I love you, but fuck you <laughs> for making me listen to this album. I mean, by the end, I was so done with it. I was angry. The standout is Faith, but for only that mosh pit part, in my opinion. <laughs> like, that's the for me. The first song, I'm okay with. The second song was also, or sorry, not the, not the intro, but like the right, real right, song. Right. Pollution, yeah. okay with. Um, Counterfeit, okay with. And it just kind of kept decreasing from there and you know the distance I had taken from Limp Bizkit I think was pretty warranted and I probably do think I would like their second album better because I bet it's going to have a better mix to it right. I think it's going to I'm going to understand some stuff there are times that I like the big angry noise and that's probably why the first couple I was the most happy with but then I just got tired of the noise it just felt like an invasion and I didn't care for it. And so by the end, as I mentioned, I was unhappy.
1: Mm. Very unhappy with you <laughs> and with Limp Biscuit. <laughs> All right. Um, so overall, even though I did, this was an album I listened to. I actually usually just picked out specific songs out of this. Mm. There was not, I did not, um, you know, listen to a bunch of different stuff. Um, pollution, Counterfeit, Stuck, Clunk, and Faith were pretty much the only songs on here I listen to regularly. Um, I often skip through the middle ones. I didn't even go to really anything past faith. I don't know if I, when I was a kid, if I really would have gotten any of that stuff. Um, I do go back and listen to this one, but again, I only pick out those specific songs and I really have to be in a very specific mood to really like want to go back to listen to this album. It's not one I, I go back and listen to very often. Um, I do enjoy those those five songs um, and I think there's a lot of merit and I would maybe, you know, I would have loved to seen some sort of like maybe re- remix and I don't mean like remix in the terms of like you have like someone, an electronica remix, like having someone go back in, take the original tapes and like mix them well, yeah. if it would help any of the songs, you know. Uh to best, maybe sound better. Yeah. Um the chances, you know, the album wasn't big enough to warrant paying uh someone to completely remix, you mm-hmm. know, all that stuff. But um so there's a lot of good things in here, but there's a lot of bad. And so I would I would imagine most people who are familiar with Limp Biscuit probably started around the Nookie train, um or <laughs> probably were at least familiar with Faith and then maybe jumped on the, the the During Significant Other. Um, but if you like that kind of raw, heavy sound, there are a few good songs in here worth listening to. My Pollution, Counterfeit, and Clunk are my three favorite out of those three. Uh, Stuck is okay. And then Faith, I sometimes, sometimes I got to be in the right mood to listen to that one. It's not usually one I actually go back to a lot. It's kind of like Over. the bottom pile of the five that I listen to for me, <laughs> believe it or not. So, all right. That was our review of $3 bill, y'all, by Limp Biscuit. Please join us next time for another patron episode as we review the 1996 film Romeo and Juliet, talk about the 90s MTV show Singled Out, and recast Romeo and Juliet using Actors of Today. Hey everybody, I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative.
2: Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found.